You are Locked On Knicks, your daily podcast on the New York Knicks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Shot blocked. Porzingis with his fourth rejection. What he does is contagious. He comes in fetches and across the lane. Baker launches it. Jack to Porzingis. Fires up the ball. Welcome, everybody, to Locked On Knicks, the podcast that's in the 99th percentile of explaining, complaining, and entertaining. I'm your host, James Marcita, a.k.a. Flea with the Lottery, possibly they spotted me, you may know me as the founder of NBA Injury Report on Twitter, and this is episode 303. Mm. <laughs> That's a weird one. On today's show, we're going to talk about the lottery. It's a couple of days late. I apologize for that. I'll get into that a little bit more in just a bit. Before we start this very special lottery musings sode. A quick programming note, we are now on our summer schedule, which means the podcast will air two times a week, with the occasional bonus so thrown in. I'm going to go for Tuesdays and Thursdays this week, for reasons that will become clear in a moment, was a little bit strange, but going forward, Tuesdays and Thursdays, and then we'll have some bonus sods. We're going to do draft coverage, we're going to finish up our report cards for the 2017-18 season, and a couple of other goodies and surprises this offseason. And we'll ramp up coverage right around the draft time. Uh, It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to today's sode. Let's just start it. Hit it, Marv! Yes! So first, I just want to, you know, apologize for leaving you guys hanging during the week of the lottery. Part of it was by design. In the past, I've gotten myself worked up. For the lottery, even though I know the odds are against the Knicks moving up and that they usually move back, I like to kind of like throw myself into it and suggest chance that you guys can do and, you know, different uh, superstitions you can try to utilize in order to, you know, fix the, uh, the outcome in the Knicks' favor. But this season, I was like, you know what? The odds, it's like 86% that the Knicks are going to stay at 9. I don't want to get myself worked up. I always think that's fun, and then the lottery shows up, and I'm like, my heart's beating fast, and I get all pissed off when the Knicks move down. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do is just have a lottery reaction episode the early in the morning after the night of the lottery, um, and that's what I was going to do. I wanted to spend my energy... Putting out good vibes for the number nine pick, not for you know moving up. Because I just didn't think they were going to move up, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna afterwards. I'm gonna put out all the vibes. I'm gonna send good vibes the Knicks way for finding the best talent at the number nine pick, which I think they will. More on that in a moment. So that was the plan. Then uh, the morning after the lottery, my cat got like pretty sick. Um, he's alright for now. He's not 
better, but he's okay. Um, and when an animal gets really sick, or a human <laughs> relative, you guys know, it's just like a huge energy suck. I was just, I mean, you know, it is a cat, so I feel a little stupid saying this, but I was just worried about him, like, constantly. I'm not going to get into all the details, but, you know, basically he needs to eat, is where we're at with him right now. Um, By the way, he's, like, healthy otherwise. This is just kind of like a weird random illness that came out of nowhere, stopped eating, was, like, dry heaving. I said I wouldn't get into the details. (laughs) That's basically them. Um, he's still not really eating. He's only taking, like, small nibbles of tuna, which normally would be gone in, like, half a second. It's his favorite food in the world. Everything else seems fine, so the vets are all like, you know, he seems fine, his heart rate's fine, his blood pressure, and all this other stuff. They tested him, you know. But there's this aura of, like, but if he doesn't eat, might not be fine, you know. If he keeps vomiting, ooh, might not be fine. And then you ask them, well, what is it? What could it be? And they're like, well, it could be a million things. But the unspoken word is that some of them could be catastrophic and the person, the uh, <laughs> the uh, animal could die. <sighs> so, I think he'll probably be fine, but, you know, I'm just a little freaked out about it. And it's been stressing me uh, in a lot of ways. And so I didn't get to do that post-lottery episode. Now, here's the point where I could say something... You know, faux deep, like, you know, this really just makes you think about how all this basketball stuff is is just a game. You know, it really puts things in perspective. You know, but that's, that's not bullshit, but for me to act like this is an epiphany I got from this would be bullshit. I'm 35. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, in other words, I've thought about all of that before, you know. I have basketball placed in the proper context on my life's list of priorities. I didn't need this to do that. You know what I mean? It's not some silver lining. Oh, everything happens for a reason. And now I can just, you know, enjoy basketball for what it is. Because, you know, after all, like, anything could happen to us at any moment. Like, I already knew that. I didn't need this to tell me that. It just sucks. That's it. It sucks. And it's sad. And it's exhausting. You know, it's a miserable experience. But, you know this kind of thing can happen. This comes with the territory when you get a pet. Um, You know. And in the end, it is worth it. Of course it's worth it. You know, for everything good that comes with that. It's like a much, much better version of rooting for the Knicks. (laughs) Here's where I earn the Pulitzer, where I tie it all in. I mean, look, like, it's better Owning a pet is way better than rooting for the Knicks. Like, the Knicks aren't going to, you know, curl up on your lap and be all warm and soft and shit. They're not going to love you. They're not going to look into your eyes and be like, thank you for feeding me. That's more a dog. Cats are kind of, you know, they put on airs, let's be honest. But all the garbage that you sometimes have to deal with can be worth it for the fun moments. Because the fun moments are really fun. My epiphany of the week I'm talking about sports now again Like the Knicks You know it's been nothing but crap But that's an exaggeration Because there has been fun Go to a game You'll have fun Being in a huge crowd of people And they're all pumped about the same thing at once That's such like an awesome feeling High-fiving strangers and shit And that You don't need the NBA finals for that 
you know, if you don't live in New York or near it, go to a bar and watch it with Knicks fans. You know, we've got a lot of global listeners. Find the, you know, find the Knicks bar in Moscow or whatever. And then it'll be a small thing like, you know, a ferocious KP put back dunk in a regular season game against Charlotte. Or, you know, Frank going behind his back in transition and taking it coast to coast, flashing the potential that you know he has because you're a smart fan and you recognize the immense potential and Frank Nilakina. And then when they, something like that happens, look around at who else is there, whether it's in Madison Square Garden or at the Knicks bar in Moscow, and high-five them and whoop it up and shit. And it's fun. It's such a great feeling. Right? So that's the basic premise. <laughs> of sports fandom, of life. You endure a bunch of bullshit, some of it horrific. And it doesn't like justify the good stuff, but it's just part of it. And you gotta take it. You know what I mean? Do I get. How do I apply for an Oscar? Is it an Oscar that I just won? Uh, if, if the Academy could let me know how I submit this episode, I would really appreciate it. But anyway, I want to thank you guys for bearing with me, is what I'm trying to say. I still want to talk to you about the lottery. Life got in the way for a little bit. It's a little bit late at this point. We're going to have some fun with it, okay? But first, something that's not that fun. I shouldn't be laughing. Okay, here we go. If you or a loved one lived in, worked in, or visited Lower Manhattan in the months after the September 11th attacks and have been diagnosed with cancer, federal benefits and health care may be available to you. Attorney Eddie Markowitz has helped many families recover substantial benefits from the September 11th Victims' Compensation Fund. The James Adroga Health and Compensation Act has been extended, which allows you to claim these benefits and this health care, but time is limited. Attorney Markowitz is proud to serve as counsel to the Zadroga family. Let him help you too. These benefits are not just for rescue workers, but for anyone who qualifies the fund, covers many cancers, including prostate, skin, lung, and breast cancer. Please call 1-800-LAW-HELP. That's 1-800-LAW-HELP to see if you qualify. So like I said, I didn't want to waste my energy like wishing for a high pick this year. I'm like, ah, it's not going to happen. That being said, <laughs> yeah, I got a little superstitious. I put on my Ewing jersey. A jersey, in case you don't know, I don't know if this slang has made it all the way around the world, and like I said, Locked On Knicks is a global podcast. A jersey is a slang, it's a portmanteau, which is putting two words together for shirt and jersey. Jersey. Just a t-shirt that has Ewing's name and number on the back of it. I put on my Ewing jersey, I worked up a sweat, I ran around the neighborhood, I had a kid follow me around, and when I fell down, he would mop up the floor after me. You know, for those of you who are a little young, might not remember this, Patrick Ewing was one of the sweatiest dudes that ever did the damn thing. And, you know, I wanted to activate the good luck charm by sweating into it to pay homage to one of my heroes. I have to apologize, though, my juju, it was insufficient. For a moment, I thought I actually cursed us because if you're not from the New York area, right before the broadcast came on for the lottery, the skies blackened. It was like a biblical plague. And a pretty decent thunderstorm broke out. So I was like, oh man, the gods are angry at me. But then, right after that, a rainbow broke out. This goes back to that metaphor, that beautiful segment I opened the show with about dealing with sickness and health. <laughs> For every storm, there's a rainbow. You know what I'm saying? 
So the rainbow broke out over New York City, and I was like, maybe this is it. Maybe we're going to move up. Uh, but it wasn't it. We did not move up. Um, still, I held out hope. You know. And I knew I held out hope because they did that dastardly commercial break right before they announced the ninth pick. You know, they went, what is it, 14 through 10. Um, and it held to form. So I'm like, nice. The Knicks did not move down. Huge. This is huge. We did not move down. That's good. Uh, and then they went to commercial break. And that's when I found myself. I was like kind of just even keel. And then they went to commercial break and my heart started pounding. I'm like, oh, these rat bastards. <laughs> these rat bastards. And I was watching a stream because I am a cable cutter. And it did that ESPN loading screen thing. And like I wasn't sure if it was frozen. You know, it was like ESPN. We're in a commercial break. Um, but it wasn't frozen. It came back. The Knicks picked ninth. It was all for naught. Perry brought us no luck. Fire Scott Perry. You know? Um, I want to blame Paul Pierce for this. I think it's his fault we didn't move up. That injury faking goblin. He was in the studio right before they went to, like, the official lottery broadcast. And him and uh, Chauncey Billups both said they wanted the Knicks to win the lottery because it would be good for basketball. Chauncey... I believed Paul Pierce, that injury faking goblin, he was trying to reverse jinx us. I know he's a disciple of that bum Bill Simmons. He's a big proponent of reverse jinxing, and I'm not going to have it. I see what you're doing, Paul Pierce. I just got to say, I mean, talking about the broadcast, an hour is much too long for this thing. I put it on. It's always been a... They're reading names in a reverse list for two seconds. We need an hour for that? Come on. It's not even the actual draft. It's ridiculous. It's been a half an hour up until recently, and I thought that's what it would be. So right when I thought the lottery broadcast was starting, I put a nice piece of salmon in, in my sous vide cooker. It's really like a machine that you put in a water bath that keeps the water at a certain temperature. But I put my salmon in the sous vide, knowing that it would be done about 45 minutes later. Usually with sous vide, you can cook it. For a long time, but with fish, they've got some like enzymes in them that if it's in the sous vide too long, they start breaking the fish down and it becomes mushy and like broken down and no one wants a mushy broken down fish. Blech. This is the kind of thing that Ron Baker, who pretends that he likes to cook, could never tell you. <laughs> Ron Baker does not salt the pasta water. But yeah, an hour long, you know, I had to leave my salmon in the sous vide 15 extra minutes. Shame on you, NBA. That's obscene. We don't need that much coverage. You know, give it a rest. You're not making enough money. Gambling just got legalized. You're going to, like, make a mint off of that. Can we cut down to half an hour again for the lottery drawing, please? I have a couple more thoughts on the broadcast, but before we get to them, just want to remind you that you are listening to Lockdown Knicks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. If you like what you hear, head on over to iTunes and rate us five stars. Once again, that's Locked on Knicks. I don't have too much to say about each team's representatives, but I do want to spend a moment on Jerry West. He, uh, not even because he's old, which he is very old, but he's just got these weird mannerisms. Like, you remember Men in Black? This was a long time ago. So for you, you know, what's the generation that comes after millennials? If any of you guys are listening, you probably have no idea even who Will Smith is. But Will Smith used to be a very big star, 
And he was in a movie with Tommy Lee Jones, someone else you've never heard of, who was also a very big star. And the smash hit in The Fugitive. You should check that out if you haven't seen it. Generation that comes after Millennials. So Will Smith, a rap star. Tommy Lee Jones, a movie star. We're in this movie called Men in Black, about a secret organization, like an FBI-type organization that deals with aliens. They're real, and they're in the world, and we like deal with them through this organization, Men in Black. And there's this one alien who's a bad alien and comes down and, like, wears this farmer's skin. He basically, like, eats the farmer and then, like, squeezes his alien form into the farmer. And then, and then he walks around and he's like... And he's all gross and can barely talk. And um, seems like an alien stuffed into a human bag of skin. And that's kind of what Jerry West was acting like when they were interviewing him. Um, and, look... Is it kind of mean to say that? Because he is very, very old? Yes. But this guy is a Laker. He was a rival of the Knicks championship teams. And it's important to keep tradition alive. It's important to make new traditions, but to respect the old ones. It's like that old song goes. Make new friends, but keep the old. One is silver and the other is gold. You know what I'm talking about. Same with traditions. And it's our duty as Knicks fans to hate Jerry West. Don't forget. He's worthy of hate. He was one of these guys. He was like the Jim Kelly of the NBA across sports. Jim Kelly, the Buffalo Bills quarterback who went to the Super Bowl a million times in a row and never won. That was Jerry West. He kept getting there, but he lost like 7,000 finals in a row, including to the Knicks. And he's the logo, which it's a great logo, but come on. Should it really be Jerry West? Do I need to explain to you why it shouldn't be Jerry West? I mean, I don't even like Michael Jordan, but it should be Jumpman. It should be some variation of Jumpman. So F. Jerry West is what I'm trying to say. Then we had, you know, this has been talked about to death at this point, but Jamie Gertz. Uh, I didn't know this at the time. She's an actress. She's apparently the wife of, that's not how I define her, but that she's the wife of the Hawks owner, whatever his name is. And so she sat on the dais representing the Hawks. She's the one, if you remember Seinfeld. Now, all you post-millennials, Seinfeld was a very popular show. Starring a very popular comedian named Jerry Seinfeld. And the big hook was, it was about nothing, right? There wasn't, like, a narrative to it. It was just about, like, silly observations of a neurotic comedian living in New York City with his weird New York City neighbors and friends. Now it's an archetype. But at the time, it was very cutting edge. And on this show, there was an episode based around a woman who was in an adjacent bathroom stall to one of the stars... Elaine Bennis, played by Julia Louis-Dreyfus, was in a stall. She was a star of Seinfeld. She needed toilet paper. Jamie Gertz was in the stall next to her and wouldn't share any toilet paper. And there was a catchphrase associated with with this episode, like, I can't spare a square. Because Elaine starts begging. She's like, can I get just one ply? Can I get one square? And Jamie Gertz is like, I can't spare a square. And then she was up on the podium, and I'm looking at her. And it was... Why it was funny is because it was like an episode of Seinfeld. It would be like, wait, why is the lady who couldn't spare a square now on TV? Like Jerry, who was a sports fan, he'd be watching TV and he's like, why is the spare a square lady up there? Um, <laughs> it was very like Mr. Pitt or Jay Peterman. So that was uh, a highlight for me. It was a delight. Life imitating art, imitating life. The Derp of the Draft Award... Goes to Orlando Magic owner Pat Williams, 
for his just uh, poetic uh, discussion of their good luck charm. I'm gonna. I can't do this bit anymore, so I'm gonna not say post millennials. But Little Penny was a marketing gimmick when Penny Hardaway came in the league of this like little puppet who was modeled after him. Whatever it was in commercials, and so uh, you know Penny Hardaway was on the Magic. Uh, that was during one of their better times in their existence. They're a terrible franchise that should be contracted, but they've had some success. And Penny Hardaway was there, as well as Shaq, for a lot of that success. So the owner, quite logically, Pat Williams, he brought a little penny to the draft. And he was explaining it like it was complicated. He was like, this is what, he was like you know, we were looking for a lucky penny, which is a common... Uh, Good luck charm, as we all know. He's like, and we couldn't find one. So hopefully this little penny, wink, wink, will do that for us. Like, yeah, we, we follow you, Pat. We follow you. Thanks for making it clear, though. Um, one big F up. Shame on ESPN for this. They interviewed some of the people on the dais, but not others. We were deprived of Scott Perry's wonderfully sonorous Dr. John-esque voice. And it was a great loss for the broadcast, but not only for the broadcast, for the basketball community, and for all of mankind, that we didn't get to hear his soothing pipes echo across the land. At the end of the day, you know, at the end of the day, the Knicks drafted where we thought they were going to draft. They were who we thought they were. (coughs) They drafted ninth. And it's, you know what, it's great that they didn't move back. Honestly, that's a huge win. They had the lottery for the first time in Chicago to uh, find some synergy with the draft combine, which is also in Chicago. It used to be in the New York metropolitan area. So, you know, Chicago is just a house of horrors for the Knicks. So when I heard that immediately, I was like, all right, we're moving back 10 spots. They're going to, like, make up a rule that allows the Knicks to not draft this year. So... You know, we didn't move back. And like I said in a previous episode, you guys should go back and find it. The ninth pick has a weird, cosmically good aura to it. So many great players have been picked ninth. You know, that should have no bearing logically and statistically on the future. That's the gambler's fallacy. Just because something's happened in the past doesn't mean we're going to buck the odds on the next roll. Each roll of the dice has the same odds of getting a snake eyes, no matter how many snake eyes you rolled before it. Right? But that section of the draft... Um, you know, it is, you know, it is in aggregate around the ninth pick. It's less impressive than, say, the top three, you know, historically. But there's still have been a ton of good players there. And I choose to take solace in the fact that at nine specifically, a ton of good players have been picked. Even though that doesn't mean that a great player is going to get picked there in the future. I don't care. I choose to take solace in that. And if you are going to hate on that, I'm going to say do not yuck my yum. Or a little bit more adult, do not kink shame me. I just have a weird feeling about it. I feel like the Knicks are going to nail this one, just like I had a warm feeling wash over me when we drafted Frank, who, in my estimation, is right on track to being a really, really good player. I think he's going to be an all-star. Sue me. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Don't at me. Anyway, I'm pumped. Bummer that we didn't move up, but whatever. I'm pumped. And I'm pumped about the coming weeks. Draft coverage is coming up. I've been promising it for a little while now. We're going to do some player breakdowns. I know you guys have been waiting for them. 
And we're going to finish up our report cards for the 2017-18 season. Next up, we've got Damian Dotson and Doug McDermott. We're going to have Joe Flynn of Posting and Toasting come on this weekend to grade those two guys. And I'm just looking forward to the offseason, spending it, talking about Knicks with y'all. That's it. Thank you so much for listening. If you got a moment, rate us on iTunes. Subscribe to the show. If you have not already, tell your friends about the sensation that's locked up. That is locked up. Woo. That is locked on Knicks. The sensation is locked on Knicks, not locked up. Locked up, they won't let me out. Tell everyone, your friends, your vets, your vet techs, your pets, all your sweet little pets. Follow us on Twitter at LockedOnKnicks or NBA Injury Report. Be chill to each other. Spay and new to your pets. If it's yellow, let it mellow. If it's brown, flush it right down. Always salt the pasta water. And take that, take that, take that for data. Tune in tomorrow, guys, for another episode of Locked on Knicks. Peace.